Take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 5 this morning. Christian blessings. Woodrow Kroll refers to this as the believer's benefits package. I like that. Paul says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Father, we're so grateful this morning for your salvation mission. As Jesus said in the Gospel of Luke, He had come to seek and to save that which was lost. God, you would have been just leaving us in our darkness and sin and alienation. But the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you, God, that you sent your son, the just who died for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. All we like sheep had gone astray. And you laid on him the iniquity of us all, and he died in our place. We are so grateful for that. Lord, may we never get over what you've done for us. We pray that that testimony of saving grace would always be on our lips. We thank you that our names are written in heaven's book of life. And we're going to see you one day, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Father, I pray for that one here today who does not have that steadfast hope. They don't know you. The Bible says they're alienated from you. And if they die in that condition, they will be alienated from you for all of eternity. God, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, you would open their eyes and ears this morning. Speak to their heart. Do what only you can do to bring about their redemption. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
number of years ago, Look Magazine ran a personality feature entitled Peace of Mind. They asked some prominent Americans how they were able to find peace in their lives in a stressful world. James Michener, the author of many best-selling books at the time, said that he found peace by taking his two dogs for long walks out in the woods. Barry Goldwater, the former senator from Arizona and the former Republican presidential candidate, said that he found peace in his hobbies. Photography, boating, flying, and camping. But above all, he said, by walking in the Grand Canyon. Former CBS news anchor Walter Cronkite said he found peace in solitude, usually by going to the sea in his boat. Bill Moyers, television personality and former press secretary to Lyndon Johnson said he tries to find peace in family reunions and also by finding places of solitude. Now folks, as you hear those stories, a couple of things stand out. Number one, I think what stands out in my mind at least is how subjective their approaches were. They're looking for peace in the circumstances of this world, trying to make their circumstances just as good as possible. And secondly, I want you to notice that apparently every one of them considered peace as something they really desired. In other words, peace was not irrelevant to them. It was very important. Now, if you're restless in seeking peace, the fifth chapter of the book of Romans has a great deal to say to us today. Man needs peace with God. You see, the Bible declares that you and I have been at war with God. The Bible describes unregenerate man as being at odds, being at enmity with God. And in that condition, we are the objects of the wrath of God. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. We are deserving of God's just condemnation. And yet, through Christ, God offers a righteousness that is by faith in Christ. Now Romans 4, in Romans 4, Paul uses Abraham as a great example of justification by faith. And he points out there that we know that Abraham was not justified on the basis of keeping the law because actually Abraham predated the law. And likewise, Abraham was not justified by circumcision because circumcision came 14 years after Abraham was credited by God as being righteous. In Romans 4, Paul reached the climax in his argument that we are justified by faith in Christ. It is a free gift. It is nothing that we could ever earn. 
Nowhere in the Old Testament was anybody ever justified in the sight of God on any other basis other than faith. Just like us today. You say, but wait a minute, Christ had not come yet. And that's true, but folks, all of those Old Testament sacrifices pointed forward to a complete sacrifice that would never have to be redone. Theologians speak of their faith being proleptic. It was, it was forward looking to that one perfect sacrifice that God would offer. Our faith looks back. Their faith looked forward. But nonetheless, they were saved by faith just like we are. Just like we are today. And now as Paul establishes that fact and gets into Romans 5, he talks about the benefits that are ours in Christ. A lot of companies are talking today about benefits packages. And that's essentially what Paul is talking about here. For the one who is justified by faith in Christ, what are our benefits packages? And folks, I want you to see the domino effect here. The cross is what changes everything. It's like a domino effect. Because of the cross and the one who comes to God through faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, when once that domino is toppled over, all of these other glorious benefits occur in the life of the believer. Now, what are those benefits? Number one, I want you to see that being justified by faith in Christ, we have peace with God. Peace with God is the first great benefit to those who are justified by faith in Christ. Now, I want you to see here that he is talking about peace with God. He's not talking about the peace of God. That's important too. Philippians 4 talks about the peace of God. In fact, Paul says to the Philippians that they're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and supplication, they're to put their request uh, before God. And he says the peace of God will surround you. It's wonderful to have the peace of God, but first of all, you've got to have peace with God. You can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Paul is talking in Romans 5 about peace with God. Believers have peace with God. You see he's saying here that a, a difference has taken place. A, a transformation has taken place in our standing before God. If you are in Christ, you're not God's enemy anymore. You are God's friend. Your name is written in the, in the Lamb's book of life and, and you are God's child, His adopted child and you're able to cry out, Abba, Father. That is the new standing that we have in Christ. God's wrath has been taken away through Christ who is our propitiation. That's a big word that simply refers to the fact that there on the cross, Christ died in our place as our substitute and he took all of the wrath of God against sin and he died in our place. 
I want you to turn with me back to Romans chapter 3 uh, to see what Paul says about this there. Begin reading with me in verse 21. Paul says there, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Having been justified, we have peace. It is not up for grabs. It is a certainty. It is not something that you and I have to wonder about. It is something that we now possess. It's in the present tense. Now there's a lot of benefits that you and I are going to have to wait until heaven one day to see all of those benefits, but peace with God is not one of those. Peace with God is a state that we can enjoy even now. Now folks, this doesn't mean that we're sinless and that we don't have to work on our fellowship and communion with God. However, our standing before God, our peace with God is a done deal and we enjoy its privileges even now. You know, one of the most important principles in Bible interpretation is that not everything written in the Bible is for everyone. Now that statement may shock you, but it's true. Not everything is written for everybody. And Romans 5 is one of those sections. It is not for everybody. It is only for those who have realized, as Romans 1 through 4 says, that we've sinned and come short of the glory of God and we look to Christ and Christ alone as our Savior. Now to those who have done that and have repented of their sins and come to faith in Christ and know God and are reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ, now Romans 5 is addressed to that group of people. And it's saying to us, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. That is a benefit. Now a second benefit that he points out here in verse 2 is being justified by faith in Christ. We have access to God. Look at verse 2. He says, Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We stand in grace. We are saved by grace and we stand in grace. Salvation is here described as a place where we stand. It is something that we have now and we enjoy now. Through Christ we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace. And Paul is saying that we enjoy being able to go into God's presence through Christ. 
Now, unless you understand the Old Testament, you're going to miss something here. Not everybody in the Old Testament had access into God's presence. In fact, only one individual did, and that was the high priest. And the high priest could only go into the presence of God. He could only go into the Holy of Holies just one time of year. It was known as the Day of Atonement. Well, Paul is saying not only do we have peace with God, but we can go into his presence every day. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And if we know Christ, we have access to God. The word is prosagoge. Sande and Hedlam in their classic commentary on Romans say the idea is that of introduction to the presence chamber of a monarch. We do not come in our own strength, but we need an introducer. And that's who Jesus is. Now there's an Old Testament analogy to all of this. It's the story of Queen Esther. You'll remember the story of Queen Esther in the book of Esther. The uh, Medo-Persians have taken over from the Babylonians. They've defeated the Babylonians. And, and of course that's where God's people, have, they, they went into exile for 70 years. But now the Babylonians have been defeated by, by the Medo-Persians and Xerxes is the king. Now he has a wife by the name of Vashti. Vashti is, is the queen. And, and one day uh, King Xerxes is throwing this big bash in the kingdom and he's invited all the important officials and the Bible talks about how beautiful Vashti was. But apparently she was the forerunner. She was the first woman liber. And so when Xerxes said, Hey Vashti, I want you to come off, uh, come here and, and show off your beauty to all of my colleagues. She said, No way, Jose. And she didn't go. Well, that presented a challenge. And all of the colleagues of Xerxes said, Oh, we got trouble now because all the women in the empire, they're going to rebel because the king's wife has rebelled. We've got a crisis now on our hands and we've got to do something. And he said, Well, what do we need to do? You've got to get rid of Ashti. And search for another queen. And so they search for another queen. And a young Jewish girl by the name of Esther was that queen that was chosen. And you'll recall how in the king's court there was this wicked man by the name of Haman. Haman was going to try to exterminate all of the Jews. And so Mordecai, Esther's uncle, or, or cousin rather, he comes to her and says, Esther, you've got to do something. You've got to go before the king and you've got to intercede on the part of your people. And, and she said, Mordecai, I can't. Everybody knows you can't just go in before the king unless he's called for you you go in before the king before he's called for you and he can have you put to death he's either got to call for you or extend the royal scepter and give you access into his presence well that's exactly what Esther does she take, uh, Mordecai says Esther you've got to you've got to risk your life 
Whether you live or die, you need to understand God's put you in this position for such a time as this and you need to intercede on behalf of your people. And she goes before the king and he accepts her and she intercedes for her people and her people are saved. Well, folks, that's what Jesus Christ has done. He's made that way for us and he intercedes for us there. We have access to God's throne room through Jesus Christ. Not only do we have redemption through His blood, but we have access into God's presence. And the writer of Hebrews dares to say that we can even go boldly into God's presence. He says in chapter 10 of Hebrews, Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he's inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. We can go boldly. If we're saved, we can go boldly before God with confidence. Now I know that doesn't sound quite right to us, but it's true. The Bible says we can go boldly before God. I like Martin Luther at this point. Martin Luther, that great reformer. He had a good friend by the name of Frederick Myconius. Myconius became ill and was expected to die almost at any time. And on his deathbed, he wrote a letter to Martin Luther. And when Luther read it, he wrote a bold reply. He said, I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead, but will permit thee to uh, survive me. For this I am praying. This is God's will, and likewise this is my will, and may God's will be done. Now folks, that's boldness in prayer, isn't it? A lot of times maybe we're not bold in prayer. Because in our lives at any given moment, maybe we're not clean. Maybe there's sin in our lives. But the Bible says we can have confidence through Christ. We can go boldly before God. We can have access. We have peace with God and access into His presence. And then Paul goes on to say, okay, what's the result of all of this? There's a tidal wave of things that happen as a result of peace and access. He goes on here in verses 2 and following to say, we exult. In, in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God. He's talking here about the future. One day we're going to be with Jesus. And we're going to see His glory the way John did in Revelation 1 when he saw the glorified Christ and he fell down at His feet as a, as a dead man. Remember James and, and, and John and Peter, they saw the glory of God on the Mount of Transfiguration. Paul saw the glory of God on the Damascus road. Moses in the Old Testament asked God, said, show me your glory. And, and God said to Moses, you can't, but, but I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and, and I'll pass by and I'll, I'll allow you to see my back. And that's what God did with Moses. What Moses saw, what Peter and 
James and John and the Apostle Paul saw. You and I are going to see one day if we're God's child. We're going to see the glory of God. And Paul says we exalt in that. We cannot wait. One of these days we're going to be with him. And we're going to be like him as 1 John says. Because we're going to see him as he is. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? Folks, that's the promise of God. He goes on here to say, too, we, we can even now rejoice in sufferings. Who wants to suffer? Nobody. But he says here, just like James does in James 1, that through trials, God develops perseverance in us. Hupomene is the word. That ability to bear up underneath a tough load in life. And we're able, despite that suffering we go through, to keep our eyes on Christ and press forward and be a good testimony. And God, through the hardships of life, develops character in us. That's what God's up to in life. Folks, God doesn't just save us and take us on to glory. He leaves us here to be salt and light. And one of the things He uses to conform us to the image of Christ is sometimes we have to go through pretty tough times in life. And God's developing us through that. But Paul is saying here we can be assured of the fact that we know that the believer is not alone as he goes through that hardship. We have the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. He's not just been sprinkled or given in small doses, but the Holy Spirit has been poured out into the life of the one who knows Jesus Christ. When you come to know Jesus Christ, you get the added benefit of having the Spirit of God at work in your life. You're never alone. And then through all of this Paul ends here by saying We end up with a greater hope still A greater hope still That is so profound and so real In the believer's life I can't tell you how many believers I've dealt with as they go through trial and tribulation in their life and they're faithful to God and they say, Pastor, through it all, I've had this tremendous hope and peace and a sense of the presence of God. That's the benefit we have as a child of God. Well, thirdly, again, I want you to understand what he's, what he's getting at here. Sort of the punchline, if you will, of what he's getting at is it's the cross. The cross affects the Christian's blessings. It's the cross that changes everything. Paul says in verse 6, For a while we were still weak. At the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10 he says, For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. He starts out this chain here by saying, While we were helpless, while we were weak, while we were without strength, Christ died for us. 
It's the same word used here. Do you remember that guy in Acts chapter 4 that they, they laid at the gate of the temple because he was crippled? He was a cripple. Same word here. We're spiritual cripples unable to save ourselves. And in that condition, Christ died for us. Verse 8, while we were sinners, while we were under the wrath of God, what did he do? He sent his son to become our propitiation and to save us. Verse 10, while we were enemies, while we were in opposition to God and God's purposes, what did God do? God was the offended party, but the offended party took the initiative and reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. So contrary to what man does. Man looks for a worthy or who, who he deems to be a worthy and deserving object of his love. I love you because. And usually we love those who are our friends and have done kind deeds toward us. But the Bible says, as staggering as it sounds, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies to God, while we were alienated from Him and estranged and could do nothing to save ourselves, God sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins, for our sins. He loves us that much. So Paul is saying here, lest you question whether or not you really do have these benefits. It's like somebody saying to Paul. It's almost like there's somebody that he's anticipating could be arguing with him. Can the Christian really know we have all these privileges? And he's saying, yes, you can know that. You can know God's present and future attitude toward you by understanding his past attitude toward you. And it's an argument from the lesser to the greater. If while you were a sinner he loved you, how much more now that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you're God's child, how much more is God going to pour out blessings on your life now that you're his child? You know what the analogy here is? It's adoption. You adopt a child, and when you adopt a child, that child takes your name, becomes a member of your family with all the rights and privileges thereof, and that child ends up in your will, inheriting your estate. That child who was estranged from your family, you didn't know that child and that child didn't know you, but you adopted that child. That child becomes a part of your family with all the rights and privileges thereof. Well, we're adopted children of God, members of his family now. And we're in the will. Amen? Benefits package. 
And folks, again, as we get ready to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I want you to understand that Paul is saying, uh, you know, understand the domino effect. It's the cross. When you understand what Jesus has done for you at the cross in bearing your sin and bearing the wrath of God, against sin and dying in your place in my place once that's taken care of and we come to God by faith in Christ it's that domino effect all the other privileges flow out of the cross isn't that beautiful I want you to bow your heads with me in prayer this morning Do you have peace with God? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation? If so, then I want you to understand you have peace with God. Now, practically, we don't always experience that. The challenge for Christians is to become practically what we already are positionally. Positionally, you have peace with God if you're in Christ. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to live in doubt and fear. And if you're at peace with God, then all these other benefits are yours as well. You're rich in Christ. You have access to God. You have help in trials. You have a future hope. You have the Holy Spirit. You are rich in Christ. Don't you want all of this if this has never been your experience? You see, if this has not been your experience, you're still alienated from God. You're God's enemy. An object of his wrath by coming to faith in Christ all of your sin is forgiven past, present and future a clean slate before God in peace with God don't you want that Come forward in just a minute. Say, Pastor, pray with me about that. I've never been saved. I want to be born again. I want to have peace with God. Maybe you want a church home where you can fellowship with other believers and enjoy together the privileges that we have in Christ. Likewise, you come forward. Others, maybe you just want to stay in that seat where you are and just have a heart filled with gratitude for everything He's done for you. All the blessings that you have in Christ. Thank you, God, that I'm your adopted child now. I'm not your enemy. I'm not under wrath. I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And one of these days I'll see Jesus. Thank you, God.
just spend some time in thanksgiving. God, through the power of your Spirit, would you work in the hearts of your people now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.